Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome to Animal Radio. You can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, and we're going to go to those phones in a couple of seconds for Dr. Debbie and for Joey Villani, the dog father. What is that? Is that a pigeon? Those pigeons are really loud. I, I, I put some seed out there. I should have waited till after the show. You know who's going to be on the show today is NBA's finest, John Sally. Of course, he played for the Lakers. and uh, I love him. It, He's such a cool, friendly guy. You know what? It says right here on this piece of paper... Is that his title? (laughs) Nice, friendly guy. John, nice, friendly guy, Sally, who's a vegan. Wow. Which is intriguing to me that uh, as an NBA player that you could have a non-meat, non-dairy diet. Wow. I saw an interview show with him on TV a couple of years ago, but he's been vegan for a long time. And if I remember right, he's uh, really active in, I mean, he's like a vegan activist. He's not just a, oh, I eat... uh, He's not casual (laughs) about it. Yes. No, he he talks about it. Exactly. And apparently a kitten lover. And he's hanging out with the kittens. We'll find out what all the details are in uh, a few minutes with him. What were we going to say, Joey? You know what I want to do? I want to hang out with a vegan to see how they eat. Because I think that's part of the problem is is, is I don't know yeah. the whole what like what's good and what's not good. That that's part of the problem. You know, you think about eating vegetables, I'm thinking of steamed spinach. You know what I'm saying? So I'd like to know what you know. I'm sure they got some good stuff that um we just don't know about. And I'm I agree. sure there's some creations that they can make putting different things together that are probably just it has awesome. To be. Yeah, it's not just singular. There are vegan restaurants all over the country now, so. You can, I mean, that's what I would love to do. I've never been to one, but just go to one of them and yeah. see oh what's on gosh, the menu. They make such great stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah so there is a hassle factor associated with it. I mean, there is, you have to sort of go out of your way to cook vegan. Well, that's because we don't know how. You have to go out of your way to cook meat, but we cook know how, steak, so it's yeah. not a problem. It's just learning something different. Thank you, Judy. Judy. Put them right in this place. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's uh, go to the phones. Joey, what are you working on for today's show? Well, if you are allergic to your bird, which millions of people are, and they get rid of them, listen to me first before you make that drastic decision. And you speak from experience, right? Yes, and this is this has something to do with grooming as well. Yes, I speak. Yes, I speak from the heart because it happened to me. Okay. Lori, what are you working on in the newsroom? Well, there is a state, one state that could become... The very first in the nation or the country to pass a bill that would make declawing a cat illegal in the entire state. Oh, wow. And, and, and it's not California. Really? I was just going to guess. Mm-hmm. It has to be California. Wow. Yeah. wow. Interesting to know. Of course, for those of you that don't know, declawing is like an amputation of the knuckle. And while may be very convenient for you and your furniture, is uh, not entirely pleasant for the cat. Despite yeah. what anybody I, I did does. some research for this story too, and we're going to look at like how declawing actually came about. I mean, like who on you know yeah. who had that wild idea in the first place? I'd like to meet and, him and know, give him a piece of my mind. Beaten. I'd like to I like to amputate their knuckles or something else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's on the way here with uh, Lori Brooks in just a few minutes. Let's head to the phones for your calls with Doctor Debbie and Joey Villani. and we go to Marty. Hey, Marty, how are you? Oh, Mary? I'm sorry. Hey, Mary, how are you? Okay. 
I, I couldn't read the board. I'm getting too old. My vision is failing <laughs> fast. Well, don't feel like the Lone Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you calling from today, Mary? Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh, listening on WFNC. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, let's see. You want to talk to Dr. Debbie? Well, here I yeah. am. I'm all yours. What do you, what's going on? We've got a year-and-a-half-old dachshund. I think she's a dachshund. She might be mixed with a little bit of chihuahua. Okay. But she licks anybody and everybody as long as they let her. Oh, okay. Licking just anywhere on the skin or clothing? Mm-hmm. Does it matter? Doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Does she lick other things around the house? Floors, furniture? Does she lick the air? Nope. Just people. people. Okay. And uh, when she's doing this, uh, does she seem excited? Does she seem uh, wound up? No, very calm and loving. I guess the other thing is what are people doing when she's licking? Either holding her or caressing her or okay. sitting beside her. But as far as do they, uh, are they objecting to it? Are they giving no. her... They're yelling at her. Um, what's yeah. the response that she gets from that? No. You know, as long as you're near her, she's licking you. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> it's like mm. she's just saying, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Yes. Well, so what, what you're describing could be a couple things. So there are definitely animals that lick excessively for behavioral reasons as well as medical reasons. And it can be challenging to, to just say what your pet situation is. Um, but the first thing, when, when any time a dog is excessively licking humans that I look at, is I look at two things. Um, things that could be involving our skin, that could be an attractant. Uh, creams. Um, any kind of uh, sweat smells, people who are diabetic, things like that that can actually attract a dog to licking our skin surface. The other thing that I look at is really the human response in this. If we approach that and we are giving her positive feedback and saying, oh, what a good girl you are. You're such a good girl. Give mama kisses. <laughs> we are actually reasserting that you're doing the right thing. And we're actually conditioning her to keep doing this behavior because it's what we want her to do. So is it really a behavioral problem or is it something that we have taught her that we like and it's a way that we are showing affection within this doggy household? Yeah, we kind of return it. Mm-hmm. You lick your dog? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought that's what you meant. No, I got a granddaughter that might bite her back or lick her back oh. or kiss oh, her. Oh, my. <laughs> okay. Well, and then there are certainly dogs that, you know, this can be more of a pathology. So the excessive licking can be related to types of medical problems. So they can actually, and there's an interesting study. It was actually out of Canada quite some time ago. And they looked at dogs that ex- excessively licked on surfaces. And what they found is in about 50% of the cases, these animals had intestinal, some kinds of, of, of gastrointestinal disease. So they had things like inflammatory bowel disease. They had parasites. They had uh, food allergies. And in 50% of the cases, they treated those medical problems 
and the symptoms went away. So for some of these situations, it might be wise to have a good conversation with your veterinarian and talk about, do we need to look at things like, uh, could there be some kind of deficiency or some kind of GI problem that we need to investigate? Some of that may be simple things we can try, like diet, deworming treatments, um, types of you know, antacids, um, things like that that can be helpful. Um, and I will say that there's also, you know, the, the excessive liquors that it's really an anxiety problem where they're licking just about anything and everything, and they do it to kind of self-soothe. Um, and I don't know that any of these fit your dog situation. I really sounds to me like you've got kind of a a, a family bonding situation, and where licking has become part of okay. the norm for her life. I know. I had I had her first. I had a neighbor that gave her to me, and uh, she stayed with me for a long time. And I kind of carried her around and slept with her and sat with her. And then uh, I wasn't able to keep her anymore, so I gave her to my daughter. So you think it could be anxiety? It, it's possible. Um, and that's where her demeanor and how she behaves with that. Um, the, some tips as far as behaviorally that if you're interested and if this is something that you want to stop that behavior because it's becoming annoying um, and it's becoming hard to live with would be um, basically we don't want to give rewards for that licking behavior. And rewards for a dog would be anything from speaking to her. Um, telling her how good she is or even yelling at her can be a form of a reward because you're giving attention to the behavior. So if we want to stop that, we take away any response to the behavior and we cease the physical contact. So we don't get to snuggle and love. You can't have snuggling and loving and then just saying, okay, stop the licking. You have to cease that contact altogether. And then we look for other ways to increase oral stimulation. And that might be things like the the dog food dispensing toys or even taking like types of dog toys and you stuff peanut butter in there and you freeze it and let them, you know, uh, lick that, work on that and give them a kind of an outlet, almost like a person trying to stop smoking. You want to give them something to do with their mouth other than licking um, the human or other things in the environment. So those kind of things can really help. Um, just just to give them more of an outlet, um, put the cigarette down <laughs> to look on the, a frozen dog toy if that uh, if that helps you there. So what you're suggesting is that when she starts to do it, to just do nothing. I would suggest that we no longer hold her, snuggle her, that we put her down. Okay. She does something else. We take away all positive rewards from that behavior, and she can okay. sit on your lap if she doesn't try to lick. If she's still okay. trying to lick and you're just blocking her, you're not teaching her anything there. You're just kind of making it harder for her to do what she wants. Okay, so when she starts it, just get away from her. Yep, Put she her goes down. down off your lap. And, um, you know, if you have her kennel trained and it's something that she's comfortable with and it's not a form of punishment, you can put her in her kennel, give her a, a chew toy or one of the stuffed toys, like I just mentioned, and give her something to do. Um, so, but, okay. but you have to be firmly established that this is something you do want to stop and to give her it's an alternate hard to behavior. do because she's so lovable. You know, it's no. not, not the worst problem I've heard of today of being licked to death, but, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, there is a serious side to this and something that, you know, we do have to mention in many people, especially many women may be on things like uh, topical hormone creams uh-huh. and a pet that licks you excessively can actually acquire those creams and ingest that and develop a toxicity due to that. So it's important, not just licking, but if you do have a pet that you know does a lot of licking of themselves even, and you use that kind of product at home, they can do- acquire a uh, contact uh, toxicity with that. So okay. just something to keep in mind, uh, you know, special have special situations.
situations out there. Mary, thank you so much for your call today. We appreciate it. And thank you. Hey, this is Nicole Sullivan on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets, please. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. It's Animal Radio. In just a few minutes, John Sally will be joining us. He, of course, the first NBA player to win four championships with three different franchises. And wow. I know I don't know what the other franchise. I know L.A. Lakers. The L.A. Lakers are one of the franchises. He did that four. Uh, but Detroit, too, wasn't it? I think Detroit, yes. D- Detroit yes. and uh, Miami. Detroit and Miami. Yes. Why is he going to be on the show? You probably say, well, he uh, he's doing something with the kittens on Hallmark Channel. It has to do with basketball. It has to do with basketball. Mm-hmm. And you know how the ladies just melt when there's a big buff guy who's holding a kitten. He's a pro athlete. He yep. is also a vegan, too, I understand. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. He's like Mr. Sensitive. He, sensitive? He's sensitive? Yeah. Oh. yeah. I mean, package. he loves animals. Yeah. You can be strong and sensitive, Hal. Don't give him a hard time. <laughs> well, no. If someone called me Mr. Sensitive, I would not think that was a compliment whatsoever. But uh, Really? Oh. But if you look like this guy and they called you sensitive, yeah, I don't. Be a compliment. I, I don't look like this guy, and of course, <laughs> I don't have the career that he has. Uh, but uh, he'll be on in just a few minutes. I understand the show that he's going to be hosting on the Hallmark Channel is up against the championship basketball champs. Uh, so that uh, competition. I guess, well, there is competition. You could do the TV and TV, uh-huh. but I, I would imagine many of the uh, male demographic will be watching the basketball championship, and then. Oh, no. I love basketball, but who, really, who doesn't like a funny cat video? And that's what that's going to be. Well, they built the internet on cat videos. Of course. That's why. Yeah, okay. So we'll find out more about that in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on for this hour in the old newsroom there? Well, talking about sensitive guys, I got one for you. This guy, I mean, and you would, you know, like macho fire guy Mm -hmm. goes out on a hike comes back with a blind big dog on his shoulders. He's a hero, and um, I'll tell you the whole story coming up. (laughs) I should have been a fireman. Okay, that's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. How about we go to Diana? Hi, Diana. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How about you? Good. Sounds like you're on the road. Well, I'm in the Pasadena area going from... Office to appointment. Okay, okay. Well, please drive carefully. I have uh, Dr. Debbie here. What's going Yay. What's going on Hi. with your pet? Well, she has little bumps on her body. Um, we did take her to a vet last year for, actually for teeth cleaning. She came out with a whole bunch of things later, like buying a whole new dog. Anyway, <laughs> um, they, they did feel the little bumps and said they're probably fatty deposits. Does okay. that sound right? They're they're not real hard, but a little hard. Not very big. How big is not very big? You give me like a coin size, a fruit size. Uh, less what, than a less than a penny. Okay, less than a penny. And where are they less located? Less than a dime. Dime smaller. Less than a dime size. 
Okay. Where are these uh, masses located at? Um, on her, kind of her back, not, you know, straight up back, but kind of side back along okay. the rib cage, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, um, certainly what you're describing could be a possibly a fatty tumor or lipoma. And what I usually, the first thing I always like to start off with when we talk about lumps and bumps, it's very rare that any veterinarian could put their fingers around a lump, squeeze it, feel it, move it around and say, you've got a sarcoma or you've got a fatty tumor. We cannot tell. And that is the honest truth. No veterinarian with superpowers can tell you what it is. I will tell you, though, there are some common traits that we do have with fatty tumors. And they don't all fit the same page, but they tend to be a little bit softer in nature, kind of a fatty Uh consistency. Um, They tend to be located, what I described as midline down. So if you look at a dog from the side and you draw a horizontal line from like their their uh, chest area to their rump, there's like that middle line. And anything below that, if it fits that consistency, I would say it's going to be suspect for being a fatty tumor. Not that fatty tumors can't happen up high on the body, but they're just less common. So for especially a Labrador, who is a, a breed that's um, highly predisposed to fatty tumors, um, the other being uh, Doberman Pinschers. This is the other huge breed I see these in. Um, so if I see a lot of these very similar-looking masses, it very well may be different types of fatty tumors that we're having. But all that being said, I personally, personally of, am of the school that I do like to poke these things, test them, and to find out more about what it could be composed. Um, because okay. sometimes we will be surprised, and what we assume has been a fatty tumor for a long period of time can actually be something else we've just been neglecting. So that's where, you know, working with your veterinarian on their index of suspicion um, now I'll tell you, I had an older Labrador at 13, and he was peppered with tumors. So we tested some of them. Others did not raise my clinical in- index, so I didn't necessarily poke every lump on him. He probably had about 20 of them on him um, by that oh, point. Wow. So they can be quite uh, prolific. The good thing is with fatty tumors, the good majority, and I'd say over 99% of them, are tend to be benign. Um, there is a less common form that's malignant called the liposarcoma. Um, and then there's also another type that tends to be a benign lipoma, but it can find its, itself growing in weird locations, like in between the muscles of the thighs or underneath uh-huh. muscles and areas of the body. And they don't quite look and feel the same. So those are harder to know with confidence. So it is important to kind of gauge where it is, how fast it's growing, and what the kind of suspicion is, if it could be something else, on whether or not we need to mess with these. Um, gotcha. So so that's my thing usually is I do like to poke them. I like to think about where they're located before I really make an, kind of a plan. Some fatty tumors can get enormous, and I've seen them under the armpits cause problems where dogs can't walk, even though they're benign. They can get huge, like you know, basketball-sized. So we wow. do have to kind of keep that in mind, that location can be a problem for some pets. Thank you, Diana, for your call today. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com.
Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your Dish-authorized retailer now. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Hi, this is Eric Dane on Animal Radio, reminding you to spay and neuter your pets. This is an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Firefighter Dan Estrada is being called a hero after he took a casual stroll into the woods. You know, thought it was just going to be like a hike with his buddy. And he comes back with a a dog who is blind. It turns out that it was this lab, a much-loved family dog, who had been missing for eight days. And he has this dog, a big lab, slung over his shoulders. The dog is 12-year-old Sage, and he had been reported missing from his family home in San Lorenzo Valley, California. Now, the family had searched everywhere and done everything. They put up posters. They even hired a dog tracker. They loved this dog. They still had no clue what happened to him. So Dan, who was the firefighter, and his friends were out hiking through the redwoods when they saw Sage lying down by a river. But he wasn't moving, so they were really nervous. Well, the guys woke the dog up, but Sage couldn't move. Luckily, this guy, Dan, is a firefighter. Big guy, muscular. He slings the dog, Sage, across his shoulders and carries him through the woods and back into town like this. Uh, You can imagine how happy, I have goosebumps, his family (laughs) was. Uh, They threw a big party in the neighborhood to celebrate the dog's return and offered Dan a $1,000 reward, which he turned down and suggested that the family donate the money to an animal charity. That's a great story. I like that. Yeah. Happy ending. Well, this one, uh, it's up to you. In uh, 1952... The Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association published a letter to the editor. It was written by a veterinarian in Chicago who had described this surgery that he had been doing in his practice on cats. It was the removal of their front claws that he wrote about. That's how really the declawing of cats began to spread. It was a surgery that was dreamed up by this one clinic in Chicago and then ended up being adopted by vets all across the country after they read about it. And now, more than six decades after that letter was published, a lot of cat owners still continue to have their cats declawed. And critics of the surgery say it amounts to a painful amputation that can lead to behavior problems in cats. And while supporters of declawing say it prevents some owners from euthanizing their scratch-happy cats. But we'll take a look at all of this here. Meantime, it was about 20 countries right now, and most of those are in Europe. They have all banned declawing, and uh, so have eight cities in California. And now in New Jersey, that debate has reached a statewide level since the General Assembly there has approved a bill that could add declawing a cat to the list of criminal animal cruelty offenses. Now, it is uh, passed 
if it is passed, rather, by the state Senate, it would make New Jersey the first to impose a statewide decline ban. And uh, New York, too, by the way, is considering a similar law. But a veterinarian who is also the founder of what's called the PAW Project, which campaigns against decline, says that the surgery is one of the most painful, routinely performed surgeries in all of veterinary medicine. Her group also educates about the domino effect of decline. And that's where after the surgery, cats can develop difficulty moving. And then because of that, because, you know, it's painful for them, they often will stop using the litter box due to the pain of trying to dig in the cat litter. So they stop using the litter box altogether. A declawed cat also cannot scratch to defend itself and as a result may begin to bite. So it's just all of these other alternate behaviors that can develop. It's a vicious circle. And all of that can lead to cats being surrendered to shelters. So a little background on this. How often is declawing done these days? Well, the New Jersey Veterinary Medical Association says vets in that state perform an average of nine declaw procedures every year. So just for New Jersey with all of their veterinarians that belong to this association, that's more than 4,200 declaw surgeries. By the way, the group's executive director calls some declawing opponents, imagine this, animal rights activists, um, like it's a dirty word, explaining in his words, quote, some, meaning some people, view animals essentially not as animals, but as small people in furry coats. Yes, we do. That's pretty much how we all here at Animal Radio view our pets. They are family members with fur, and we will keep you posted on that story. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hey, this is Big Ant from Rescue Inc. Remember, spay and neuter your animal and abuses are losers. Now back to Animal Radio. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. And uh, let's go to Denise. Hi, Denise. How are you? Hi. I'm okay. Thank you. And how's everybody there? I think we're doing splendid. Awesome here. What's going on? Um, I um, have a cat that I thought was a tortoise shell male, and I was told that it was rare. Tortoise shell male. And I didn't, uh, was uh-huh. not aware of that. What is the determining factor as to how to tell if it's a tortoise shell. Well, um, so when we're talking about colors of cats, there's the, a lot of people know what a calico is, and calico is a tricolor. So you've got usually like black, red, and white. A tortoise shell is a, usually a two-color cat without white. So it could be red and black, um, brown and black, um, kind of that. Now, what's interesting is usually uh, the red coat color is associated with females. So um, in most cases, a tortoiseshell cat or a calico cat is a female. The trait for that orange color is actually on the female X chromosome. So in order to have a male, and if we verified sex, and you've had your vet check out and make sure we are, in fact, a male versus female. Yep, yep. He's, and we've confirmed he's, it. He's, He's got yeah he's got he's got the the uh, equipment. 
Okay. Yeah. All um, right. He's he's mostly brown with black striping and spotted mottled black, mm-hmm. and uh, a tiny bit of a uh, a lighter beige. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, this is pretty rare to have a male that's a calico or a tortoiseshell. And uh, estimates, although it's not really known for certain, it's about 1 in 3,000. And uh, they're kind of neat, interesting little guys. You can actually specifically test their genetic background, and that can be done um, by a test through your veterinarian. We have to send it out to special um, labs. Um, I think the closest one on my West Coast is we usually send to the, the vet school at uh, UC Davis in California. But I'm sure on the East Coast there's um, a similar testing. Denise, what, what, uh, what difference will it make ultimately for you? Um, well, I was thinking that if he is indeed uh, a rare tortoise shell or, you know, whatever, then I would uh, put him into shows or something of that nature. Um, oh, you know. oh, I bet you wish, right? <laughs> You're not alone. Yeah. People who have these kitties, um, they used to call these cat money cats because um, there's a belief that they're somehow rare, valuable, going to make you lots of money. The bad news is that they're usually sterile. So they're of no value to any breeding generations other than kind of being cool, quirky, and having kind of talk over at parties um, that you've got a a kind of an unusual cat. It's really not going to make him um, more desired in any kind of circuit. So show or otherwise. So sorry. (laughs) But some people say that these guys have, you know, really cool some people say they have really cool personalities and uh, they're really, um, you know, just interesting cats. But you will want to get them neutered um, just for the normal, typical reasons. Um, but, yeah, for breeding sake, he's he's got blanks. So. Wow. Well, he's, he's a rescue. Um, I uh, trapped a, a feral to just try to get her neutered and stuff. And as soon as I trapped mm-hmm. her, I saw that she was pregnant. And uh-huh. uh, she had five kittens immediate, almost immediately after I trapped her. So I've got oh. five of them. <laughs> they sound like they're cute little cuddly creatures. Oh, yes, definitely. Denise- all right, thank you very much for all your help. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. John Elder from England was heartbroken when his prized termite-sniffing beagle was stolen. Someone stole Joni by breaking a small air vent and dragging her through, leaving some skin and fur. Elder talked to local media, and news of the lost termite dog reached neighboring towns. A motorist found Joni walking dazed and confused in the middle of the highway. She originally thought that Joni had been hit by a car because she was missing so much skin and hair. Her daughter read about the missing dog, and soon Elder and his missing hound were reunited. Joni's abductor hasn't been found, but I'd look for somebody who used to have termites. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hey folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. 
Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shredded as a topper. You're listening to Animal Radio. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets and our cats. They not only sometimes uh, <laughs> are smelly, but they can smell very well too. They can they can they can smell stuff that they have a you, good sense of smell. Good sense of smell, I guess, yes. is what you. Doctor Marty Becker, welcome to back to the show. How are you doing? You know, it's funny to talk about something that seems so basic, doesn't it? It really, it really does. But what you mean the the cat smelling or the cat's sense of smell? Well, we used to have you know, if you will go back to the family farm in southern Idaho, you know, grew up in potato country and had a small you know farm and a ranch and we had a cat named dirty bung <laughs> and, and it was he could never quite get the poop all the way out so he could smell dirty bung before you could see him but we had uh, he, was a bar- he was a barn cat and you had uh, you know one quite an enema but he i don't know what it was going on now as a veterinarian but he needed a little assistance but Cat. hadn't thought of dirty bung till today <laughs> what are they feeding you everybody smelly cat smelly it's not your fault. Yeah, but you're calling today to actually talk about the sense of smell. So yeah, I have, I've got that all backwards. Oh, that's what I'm calling to talk about. No, no, there's some new studies out that I think are really fascinating. It was talking about, it was on catsandsquirrels.com, which I'd never even heard of that website before, but God, I love that name, catsandsquirrels.com. <laughs> uh, but there was a... Um, talking about these these cats getting euphoric, and it was looking at the olfactory enrichment for felines. So, Mikel Degato, I don't know if you've ever had her on the show, or Tony Buffington, you know, this feline guru, were looking at, at what you can do for enrichment activities with cats. And it was interesting, only two-thirds of cats responded to catnip, but three-fourths of the cats responded to silvervine. And about 53% responded to honeysuckle. And silvervine? To- what is silvervine? Silvervine is a plant, so it's not in that catnip family, but I'd heard before we'd used it in the veterinary practices. We're working towards creating more enrichment and less fear, anxiety, and stress as part of Fear Free. Uh, the people are saying you've got to get the stuff from Japan. You know, you've got to order it online and get the stuff sent from Japan. So, you know, it's one of those things that comes in a little vial, and you, you're surprised it went through the mail. And I remember <laughs> trying it in the practice, and wow, these cats were definitely impacted quickly so it's it it's it's a plant that cats are attracted to and honeysuckle this is another one a lot of honeysuckle comes in wood uh-huh. and there's again something else I, i'm not sure where all you buy it at but uh, we've been buying it on amazon it comes in these little slices this particular kind of honeysuckle You'll put it in the put it in the practice or at home, and the cats will get get it and and carry it around in their teeth, and to put it in their paws and rub against it and rub their cheek against it. It's really interesting with cats. They use that same vomal nasal organ where you see dogs with, you know, like I come back working from a vet, as a veterinarian or Doctor Deb does, and they smell you and they do that great big inhale and that scent blows up from their nostrils into the this vomal nasal organ that kind of like a turbocharger for scent and also smells pheromones. Well, cats have that same organ, but it's used more for, uh, you know, housemates and, and sexual activity and things and tracking, actually tracking prey. Yeah, my cat does this thing where it goes and smells something and then it'll uh, open its mouth and its teeth will show. It's kind of weird. What is that? Oh, that's it. That's that vomal nasal organ. It's oh. what they're doing. It's in the roof of their mouth oh. and it, it blows that scent up there. Uh, but it's a, it's a, you know, this. What happens is they do that thing with their teeth. They open it up and it blows this smell up there by this vomal nasal organ, 
and it detects pheromones, which are these chemicals that convey information between individuals of the same species. So, but a few a few warnings too that I, want, I think is really worth talking about. Okay, is we can't use these plugins and stuff for these cats. You know, we have these these. Uh, you know, we'll wear heavy perfumes, and I'm as guilty as anybody. I go to church, and you know, I don't, I can't sing, uh, I can't sing the hymns, and I don't know scripture, but I wear a lot of cologne and hug all the little old ladies that are <laughs> widows, and uh, cats don't like that. And then so, when you say plugins, you mean like the Glade plugin? You don't mean like exactly the uh, pheromone right. plugs in? No, the the Glade plugins, okay. the ones the 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 Bath and Body Works, the Glade ones that have that. Okay. We used to have them all over our house. And uh, we, you know, over probably three or four years ago, we took them all out because it was just so cause fear, anxiety, and stress of these of these cats. Okay. So we can use the things like silver vine, you know, like honeysuckle and stuff to put some scent lures so the cat can track it around the house. So in their little mind, they're they're hunting and they're looking for these little treats that are high, yeah. literally. I found out through Fear Free we're looking for, for treats that cats really like. And they like Bonita fish flakes. They like uh, whipped cream. They like marshmallows. They like uh, anchovy paste. They like uh, Vegemite. They like easy cheese cheddar and bacon. Uh, <laughs> they also love green olives. This is the weirdest thing. About 20% of cats, you put a green olive down there, and they just pounce on that thing like it's a mouse. And just start gnawing on this olive, and of course that's great amusement for the cat owner. And some, of course, have found out because it fell off the table, or a cat got something out of the salad. Yeah, but. that happened. It fell right out of my martini, right onto the floor, and the cat went chasing <laughs> it around. Those people that have seen a cat, you know, yeah, it responded to cat and stuff. Well, try some of this silver vine. You know, try some of this honeysuckle. Uh, try the valerian. And and use it in a way, put it inside of a sock, you know, uh, a clean sock, and let them carry it around or do little scent trails around the house. And, and again, what this thing really shows is, you know, those things, those heavy fragrances that we use, whether it's stuff you put in the vacuum cleaner to put into the carpet or the plugins we use, we got to be very careful of what okay. we're doing to our animal friends. Okay, I'm going to put all these tips over at AnimalRadio.com. Dr. Marty Becker, if people want to learn more, what's the website? Uh, I go to FearFreePets.com or DrMartyBecker.com. FearFreePets.com, great site. Check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Doctor, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Thank you, friends. We're going to head back to the phones. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. This hour, John Sally will be joining us. The ladies are all very excited about this. Of course, a uh, big, buff NBA player, a very successful guy who's also a vegan and a kitten lover. 
Gotta love it. Oh, yeah. What's there not to love? (laughs) So he's just around the corner right here on uh, Animal Radio. I want to find out what it's like being a vegan. Of course, being a vegan is one step up from being a vegetarian. It's uh, not only the beef. It is very tough. I have tried. I have not been successful. The whole vegan thing, just going to the with no dairy and no cheese. No, They say cheese is the hardest of all of that to quit. I yeah. bet. Really, all I need yeah. is bread and cheese to live. Just <laughs> freshly baked bread and lots of cheese on top of it. Pizza. That's all I need <laughs> to live. <laughs> so we're going to find out. And, you know, of course, he's uh, as being an NBA player, he's you expend a lot of energy. Yeah. So I, I wonder what it's like not to have that in his diet. So we'll find out in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, first, let's see. Uh, what are we doing in the news at the bottom of the hour? Um, you know how sex offenders, there is a, a registry for those people. Like, yeah, yeah, and then they have to go around the the block and introduce themselves to the neighbors. Well, I'm not sure about all that. I just know they have to register, and they've got to be. I heard. Let's, yeah, yeah. How now? There is a, a pet abuser registry that is being implemented, and we'll tell you about it. A pet abuser registry. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's on the way. Let's uh, go to line four for Dr. Debbie right now. And we head across the country to Violet. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? We are calling from uh, California. Oh, very good. Is, is that, who's that in the background? Huh? <laughs> who's that in the background? Uh, that's Vegas. He came from Las Vegas, and now awesome. he's in here for daycare today. Oh, okay. So what? I have a daycare, which is playground. So what's going on with your animal? I have Dr. Okay. Debbie right here. I... Someone dropped off this little chihuahua, and um, I've raised him now. And uh, he's got a lot of little spots. Like, you know, they, I took him to get fixed, and he says he has an allergy. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they fixed them, but they didn't say what kind of allergy because then they would have to do a skin thing. So I started okay. giving him some kind of flex dog, which is a free fatty acid in the immune system. I'm seeing a little bit difference, but I don't know if that what I could do for, like, doing his, um, I do the tea tree, but that's not working. So maybe a different type of shampoo. Okay, tell me a little bit more about this guy. How old is he? He's only five months old. Five-month-old, little (laughs) chihooey-hooey. And what what do these um, areas look like on his body? Little just, like, spots of red. Okay. And And, is there hair loss in the areas? It's just pink. And then it's just, he's got hair on there. So, okay. I mean, I don't know if there's a special shampoo should I do or. Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that allergies definitely can happen in young dogs. But the, the yeah. truth of the matter is that seasonal allergies, inhalant allergies, are not going to be present in a doggy this young. So things that are pollens, um, you know, things that are blooming outside, it takes a well over a year and a half of exposure to those environmental allergens for a pet to develop an allergy. So um, we can almost kind of just ignore that whole possibility. Okay. But we can sometimes see food allergies in young dogs. Sometimes I've, the youngest I've diagnosed it has been a six-month-old puppy. Um, but typically those pets will tend to be quite itchy. Um, you know, we have some pretty typical signs with that. In a chihuahua puppy, oh golly, at five months old, I will tell you. Yeah, I understand he's uh, high maintenance. <laughs> 
Yeah. The first thing I honestly would have this boy um, evaluated for is to check him for mites, um, demodectic mites, or what they call the red mange. Just quite it was an common. When I took them in, and then they fixed them, so they said just to do the cortisone. But well, and if it did, it help. Um, it does help, yeah. But every time I take him over to the my mom's yard, it's it's. I think he's allergic to the grass because okay. when he comes back, he's all red again. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you, going with the odds in a young pup of his age, um, even if we don't see mites on the first sampling, sometimes it does take multiple samplings. So I would just want to make sure we exhaust that. And now this is something your vet can't do just by looking. They actually have to take some skin samples. They have to do that skin scraping, as we call it. So if that's been done, then I'll feel more comfortable about that. But, you know, okay, so say say that test is negative for your little guy. Um, Yes, there are definitely going to be some things we're going to look at doing. And we might start with some of those um, colloidal oatmeal shampoos, which can be very soothing for the skin. Um, And then I would address going into um, a hypoallergenic diet. I'm not really familiar with some of the brand that you mentioned. Yeah. But no to get grain, into, no nothing. yeah, and you know, grain isn't always oh, the, the big problem. Lot. It's kind of a, a big fad in the human world with nutrition. But actually, some research studies actually have shown that some of the most common allergens in foods for dogs are things like beef, which is over 30% of the most common allergens in dogs. Dairy and wheat are followed after that. And actually, you know, corn is pretty low on the list. It's lower down. So um, things when we talk about grains, yeah, it could be a grain problem, but in many cases it could be a chicken a beef um all those other ingredients oh my gosh yeah so you would um i'd say pick up that phone talk to that vet and say what food would you recommend in my office if i'm treating a food allergy i like to go to something in a young dog like a novel protein diet maybe it's going to be something that's just got two ingredients it's going to have a carbohydrate and it's going to have a protein my own dog is on a rabbit-based diet. Um, some dogs thrive really well on a fish-based diet. And the thing I'll tell you is with, with hypoallergenic diets, you know, you, it's, it's a little bit trickier than just looking on the label and saying, is this food have that ingredient or not? Because for hypoallergenic diets, the ideal way to, to do this is to manage it with very limited ingredients and to make sure that we're using things that are new and novel to the pet's experiences. So, um, you know, I, I personally... As a veterinarian, I like to have some um, recommendations that I would throw your way. Um, so chat with that veterinarian and make sure that we didn't have mites. And then then we can talk about a little bit more about these diets. And fatty acids are great. I like that you mentioned the diet with fatty acids. But, you know, I prefer to bring them in in a, a supplement form. So bring it in in a pill. Bring it in in a liquid. Add that in so that we can control the dose and the amount. And we know that it's going to be beneficial for your little guy. Mm. So... Violet, I I commend you. You've got your hands full with the, that whole crew of doggy daycare. And uh, bless that little guy's heart. And I'm sure you're going to get him on the mend here soon. This is Dr. Debbie. If you have a question for the Dream Team, give us a call. This Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more at redbarninc.com. And thanks so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. And uh, we're going to Amy. Hey, Amy. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for uh, having me on. <laughs> where, where are you calling from today? Uh, calling from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. What's going on? Her thoughts are on uh, a raw diet for your dog. I was just introduced to this concept by my groomer and just mm-hmm. wanted to see what your thoughts were. 
Yeah. Now, is it for any particular reason or um, Well, my dog has intrigued? had um, some issues with uh, one ear, not both, um, being uh, a little more red. He'll start to get a little bit of um, buildup in it. I was mm-hmm. using some ointments and treating it that way, and that seemed to always take care of it. Um, mm-hmm. And so she just started talking about a raw diet for, you know, different conditions. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't catch. What kind of doggy you got? Uh, I have a little Westie, a West Highland Terrier. Oh, okay. Beautiful. A lot of personality in those little oh, guys. Oh, he's, Yes. <laughs> They're fun, but I'll have to say, hearing that piece of information is very different because, yes, they are just horrible with allergies and skin disease in general. Um, and when I look at different breeds, um, I can pretty much count on if I see a Westie and it's coming for anything skin-related, we're going to have a very big allergy talk because um, they are just so prone to these problems. And, and it can be just something as simple as having ear infections or maybe an occasional rash um, or just tearing their skin out to you know to the bottom of their skin. It, it just varies quite a bit. So as far as, you know, I can't say that I necessarily embrace just a raw diet for this purpose. For me, I kind of go into this long spiel about um, food allergies. And uh, for me, it isn't, I don't treat that necessarily with raw diets. The way I treat that is by limiting uh, the ingredients. And that might be either through a limited ingredient diet. I usually use the prepared commercial ones that are um, in the veterinary grade lines. Um, or I'll use a hydrolyzed uh protein diet. Those are the the ways that most veterinarians feel most comfortable with dealing with food allergies. And it's really based on the concepts of how pets respond to food allergens. So just because a food is raw doesn't mean they're not going to be allergic to it. So for me, I'd rather go to more the the concept level of of what the problem is. So if a pet's allergic to, say, chicken, obviously we're going to avoid that. But the problem is it's not easy to know what a dog is potentially allergic to. So we have to go on one of these elimination diets. Um, so um, the, the only other problem I'd have to say with, um, you know, doing your own like raw diets, um, you know, there's certainly the foodborne illness concern as, you know, even with commercial food, we were, we're seeing with, um, you know, some of the salmonella concerns and prepared foods. Um, so that is an inherent concern um, I have with those. Um, also, just, uh, you know, some of the different uh, digestive concerns that we have along with that um, nutritional long-term effects with um, a home-prepared diet, um, a little bit variable. So I generally lean more towards the prepared commercial foods. Okay. Um, as far as allergies, would it be, could this be an allergic reaction even though, or response, even though it's just one ear? It's never Absolutely. Both. You got it. It could be one ear that just kind of chronically has a problem. And um, for some breeds, um, I would say ears and rears for me are number one symptoms of uh, food allergy. So if we have an itchy butt, we have a lot of anal gland problems, or we have recurrent ear infections. Those are big reasons to address food allergies. You're listening to Animal Radio. This is Jane Lynch on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your animal. Spay or neuter. Let me say that again. You don't want to do both. Spay or neuter. Let me say it again. Can I do that? You can do whatever you want. Oh, God bless. I'm going to try it one more time. Hi, this is Jane Lynch on Animal Radio. Please spay or neuter your animal. I love it. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. 
I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. It's Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. If you're a crazy pet lover like we are, all of your pictures are of your pets and you do almost anything for your pets. And they probably sleep in bed and you probably sleep. You probably wake up with a backache just because you wanted to accommodate them. If you're that kind of person, this is your show. And in just a couple of minutes, we'll head back to the phones uh, for your calls for Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani. In fact, I believe uh, you're screening calls right now. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Okay. And we have uh, John Sally coming up in about 10, 15 minutes from now right here on Animal Radio. Uh, Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, you know, we're all about rescue and saving animals and our pets and everything. And so many of us rescue them. So, you know, who's to say what's a pet anymore these days? They're really family members. And there's this rescue that I found out about. These pets don't even have hair. They're not dogs. They're not cats. Not flamingos. <laughs> they're hair. <laughs> no. Geckos. Um, Gecko rescue. I, I can't say too much. Yeah. But, I mean, it really it blew me away. Because they're they're pretty expensive. Okay, well, but it's just a, it's just a unique way to help out some animals that need it. Okay, okay. and I have had friends who have had these, and uh, <laughs> though you wouldn't think about it, they were very very close with them. Okay, I am I have no clue now, but I can't wait to hear. Uh, let's go to line two for Doctor Debbie. We have Jim on the phones. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Great. How about yourself? Good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Camarillo, California. Oh, lovely Camarillo. We lo- used to be in my home. Used to, I love that place. It's like far enough out of the city. You know what I mean? It's beautiful. Nice and comfortable today. I bet it is. I have Dr. Debbie here. What's going on with your dog, cat, iguana, parrot, flamingo? I don't have an iguana yet. It's a dog. <laughs> it's a lopsilopsil. And it's, uh, I spoke with you guys a while ago about uh, fleas, and I got rid of the fleas, but the fella's still itching, and I think it might be from the food, and I didn't know what kind of good food to give them that would get rid of the allergies or what have you for them. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the, the trick to this when we're talking about food allergies is it's it's not as simple as just going to the grocery store and picking a different food off the shelf when it comes to food allergies. Um, there's, there's different ways that we can approach food allergies. The two big ways is we pick a diet, either picked um, one that it would be in what we call the hydrolyzed diet family. Um, the other is what we call the novel protein diet family. Um, so there's different ways. Now I'll kind of briefly go over those. The hydrolyzed um, protein 
protein diet is similar to children that just can't take milk formula. So there's, they basically take the milk proteins and they break them up into smaller pieces so that they can still take the milk and have formula, but their immune system doesn't react to it. So this is what they do with this type of dog food as well. So um, it's a way of kind of tricking their immune system. So say a dog is allergic to chicken, they can still eat a chicken-based protein if it's hydrolyzed. So it's kind of a sneaky way. Um, but that's something you would have to see your veterinarian for. There are a couple um, hydrolyzed diets out on the market um, by different manufacturers. And those are by far one of the more direct ways to figure figure out and to capture those dogs that are uh, potentially food allergic. Now, the other way that I mentioned is called novel protein diets. And that used to be the good old lamb and rice we used to think, you know, decades ago was a great novel protein that dogs just hadn't seen it. But we know that isn't necessarily the case now, and it's actually everywhere. So novel protein diets can work. And after a couple of years, a dog can actually get sensitive to that protein. It's no longer new. They're used to it. So then we may have to switch to something different. And these diets are, and again, they're more than just going to the food um, at the grocery store and saying, oh, I'm going to pick a uh, venison-based diet now because there's still different ingredients within those diets. So this too, you would want to work with your veterinarian to help pick a food. Um, some you know, different manufacturers, uh, Purina, Royal Canin, Hills, Iams, a lot of these companies, they have diets that may be based in newer proteins, things like venison, uh, kangaroo, duck, a rabbit. Um, so that might be the protein source that we're looking at. Um, whichever way we go, we need to make a commitment for a couple months with a diet and staying faithful to it, not giving treats, not giving human foods or other types of snacks um, around um, at that time. But that after about eight weeks, maybe 12 weeks, um, if we see an overall improvement in the itching and the skin skin symptoms, then we know we're heading the right way and we found a, a dog that has um, food allergy. So, and it is very common. So, you, you know, Lhasa Apta, I would say, yeah, definitely. We see a lot of these guys that can have that. It, they may still also have other types of allergies, inhalant allergies as well. Um, but if you can help uh, control this one thing, um, you may go a long way to help your pet, you know, prevent their itching problems down the road. Can I ask you one more question? Uh-huh, I, got, sure. I got cats, right? You said inhalant allergies. Would the cat litter make him itch? You know, could he be allergic to cats? He could be allergic to the cat litter. He could be allergic. Dogs can be allergic to just about anything we can. And I've actually had dogs that we've done allergy testing on, and they test that they respond and they're allergic to cats, but they're also allergic to human dander. So what are you going to do? Holy cow. Uh, you, you might say, uh, you know, don't have a cat if your dog is allergic, but they can be allergic to you. So what are you going to do then? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. All right, cool. Okay. What did you call that hydro what thing, that food? Hydrolyzed. H Y D R O lyzed. Yeah. All right, I'll check with um, my vet and deal with that then. Okay, well, good luck with that and, and let us know how things turn out. Uh, we love to hear those follow up calls. I this is Dr. Will. Debbie. Thank you so much for calling, Jim. We appreciate it and give that baby a pat on the head. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now. Hi, this is Doug Gray of the Marshall Tucker Band, and forever you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. 
No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Researchers at a Canadian veterinary college in Ontario are now set to embark on three years of studying drug-resistant bacteria. Doesn't that sound exciting? Hang on, because (laughs) I'm going to tell you about this. Now, they will do this with fellow experts in the UK, Portugal, Germany, and France. And one of their projects will focus on the transfer of resistant bacteria between people and their pets. And they're saying it'll involve at least a few hundred dogs. They explain it like this. Uh, You have an animal that has an infection, so you treat it with an antibiotic. But what are the chances, the chances that resistance emerges in the dog? And then what are the chances that that resistance can be passed on to the pet owners from their dog? Hmm. Mind-boggling, really. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's because we've abused antibiotics so much that now they're just looking at every single way that this can happen and also how it affects uh, pets as well. Mm. Now, people convicted of abusing animals would be barred from owning another pet, and this would be in Rhode Island under a new law being considered there in the state's General Assembly. It would create a statewide registry of animal abusers, barring animal shelters, pet stores, and even breeders from allowing the sale or adoption of an animal they have to somebody who is listed on that abuse registry. Under the proposal, anyone convicted or even pleading no contest to animal abuse would have to put themselves on that registry, and anyone who fails to register after they've, you know, been convicted or pleaded no contest. Mm-hmm. And if they are then caught owning another pet, they would then be subject to up to one year in prison plus a $1,000 fine. So, you know, it seems like that's being taken pretty seriously now. Hmm. What do they call those lists? A DNA list? Do not adopt? <laughs> okay, now anyway. There are all kinds of animal rescues out there. God knows we know that. And, and I just found a type of rescue that is uh, new to me, so I wanted to share this one with you. Giving kudos and high fives to Jerry Myers in Southern California, who for the past three years has rescued nearly 3,000 koi. Mm-hmm. Koi? Fish. Koi from ponds all around San Diego County. He went from his, his own having one in-ground pond at his ranch, where he had 30 fish in there, to at one time, a few years later, he had 14 ponds. His electric bill soared from $300 to $1,100 a month. Wow. It, can you believe that? So he had to install the solar panels. That helps to cut his power bills. And then he got really smart. He started a nonprofit, a 501c3. Then he found a company that donates up to 
100 pounds of koi feed pellets every month. So that certainly helps. But Myers says there are many, many reasons that people give up their koi. Those can be, uh, the fish can live up to like 100 years old. It's kind of like having a tortoise, you know, you outlive your owner or a bird like Joey has. Yeah. Uh, The cost for electricity becomes exorbitant. Water bills may become too expensive. Or frequently the fish can spawn and overwhelm the pond with baby koi. But he says the most common reason is that fish can grow. These koi can grow from being three inches because they're really expensive to buy them when they're large. Mm -hmm. So people buy them when they're small. So you get them at about three inches in just one year. They grow to a foot long. Wow. So it's kind of like when you landscape your front yard and you should only have bought six bushes and you (laughs) bought ten. You know what I mean? It's like pretty soon you're crowded. So Myers now has about 300 fish going on in six ponds on his property. But that is completely doable, he says. And his new rule is to arrange an adoptive home for rescue koi before he even collects them. I love it because this guy loves his fish. He says that way they don't have to endure the trauma of being moved twice. You can check it out. Their website is vagabondkoi.org. That's so cool. Isn't that cute? Yeah. I, I just I just thought it was, you know, everybody's got an animal niche, you know, somewhere. And um, I just had never even fathomed a koi rescue. But good for him. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, Five Dangerous Pet Poisons Found in Most Homes. Dangerous pet poisons can be found in any home on a daily basis. And we here at Animal Radio try and share our knowledge and care whenever we can. So let's take a minute or three to identify these common items found in most homes. Ready, household pet poison detectives? Let's identify a few of these dangers that can harm both dogs, cats, and other animals. And let's start with human and pet medications. You know, every year there are numerous horror stories about dogs, cats, ferrets, and others getting into serious health conditions by ingesting human and pet medications not meant for them. And it doesn't have to be prescription medications. It can be the simple over-the-counter medications. It should go without saying, but keep any and all medications out of the reach of your two-legged and four-legged children. Next, household cleaners. Just because they say it's natural or green does not mean it's safe for your pets. If you're looking at the label for guidance, then you need to make sure it says pet safe. And if you're uncertain, pick up the phone and call that company and they'll be happy to let you know. Next up is rodenticides and pesticides. Again, your dogs and cats can be overcome by curiosity, especially after a rat or mouse has nibbled on the poison from one of these and it can lead to the accidental poisoning of your own pet. So be very vigilant of the traps, and at least in the case of dogs, try to place them where a dog can't reach them. Again, sprays and chemicals that can be used should state that they are pet safe, or they shouldn't be used around your pets. And also, make sure that these chemicals aren't finding their ways into areas that your pets like to visit or recreate in. 
Again, those will get absorbed into their paws and skin just by contact and then into their system by them doing self-grooming. One more very common pet poison potential is from foods and alcohol that we enjoy and that they can get easy access to. Alcohol is universally dangerous for our pets, so make sure you're not leaving this out wherever your pets can reach it. They don't know what it is, and the unique smells may make it all that much more enticing to them. And the same holds true for foods. Things like onions, candy, gum, grapes, raisins, and more can have severe consequences for your pets. So make sure that after you've enjoyed them, that there aren't any leftovers where your curious pet can get into them. Remember, our pets trust us implicitly, and they're prone to want to explore our worlds and what we're doing. So if you're eating and drinking it, they assume that they can do the same. And until we develop a pet poison warning system, the pets won't understand it's not safe for them. Share your ideas on how to remove and reduce household risks for our pets on our Animal Radio Facebook page. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets, and we'll head back to those wacky phones in just a couple of minutes here at Animal Radio. Uh, but first, let's visit with John Sally. You know, he's the first NBA player to win four champions with three different franchises. That would be Detroit, Miami, and the Lakers. And he's also a vegan, and he's a wow. kitten lover, believe that or not. <laughs> and uh, My kind of guy. Yeah, and he's joining us right now. In fact, uh, are you there? How you doing? How are you, man? I'm doing okay. So you're really a vegan? Yes, sir. I cannot believe that. What, what I don't ma- know why you're not. Well, just look at the size of you. <laughs> I mean, I you know, it seems like you'd have to eat meat to be such you're a big so guy. It's so funny because <laughs> I look at the size of a cow and they don't eat meat. Oh, I look at the size good, of a gorilla. They don't eat meat. The size of a hippopotamus, the size of a giraffe. Everybody wants to be as strong as the ox, and they forget the ox eats grass. So how long have you been a vegetarian? I've been a vegetarian since 91. I became a vegan in 2008. Okay, and so the difference is a vegetarian is that you don't eat meat, and a vegan is that you don't don't eat milk or Or cheese or dairy? Well, so a vegetarian is supposed to only eat vegetables. So I call it a lying vegetarian. So when you drink milk or have eggs or have cheese, that's just liquid meat. So, yeah, I uh, all, all of a sudden tell people I don't partake in anything from from an animal. They, they think it's crazy when people say, uh, you don't drink milk. I go, well, if it's from a, if it's from a human. And they go, or I go, well, why would you drink milk from an animal? And they go, well, it's, it's cow milk. I said, once again, it's an animal. Why would you drink milk from an animal? And why are you drinking milk past the age of three anyway that's not human it just doesn't make sense to me you wouldn't drink dog milk why would you drink cow milk we're hanging with john sally we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to find out why he's hanging out with kittens on the hallmark channel Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. 
Hi, this is Joyce DeWitt on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your animals. Thank you. The following program is a repeat of an earlier broadcast. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets, and we are hanging out with John Sally. Tell us what your diet will consist of today, for instance. Oh, so I have this wonderful thing called Violife Cheese, which is going to be everywhere. It's a, it's a vegan cheese, and the reason it's not, I call it a vegan cheese, it's a non-dairy cheese. Okay. And uh, because, you know, dairy is no good for us, it's been proven, it causes heart attacks, high blood pressure, causes, not even the part, like straight up says it. So I have vegetables, I have uh, field roast, um, I'll have, like today, I had hemp tofu, which was different. It's made out of hemp as opposed to soy. Wow. Huh. Yeah, so I, I had that with uh, some wonderful rolls in a burrito wrap, and I ate that. I'm going to eat a whole bunch of vegetables later, a whole bunch of fruit. I'm going to drink a gallon of water. It's, yeah, this, I just keep eating when I'm, you know, everything that God has put on the earth growing, just like he says in the Bible. Does I it help your game? Trees. Oh, my God, my game is so good. Look how you're buying into it. It's a good game. <laughs> well, no, so I, do you have any animals at home, first of all? I, um, I am an animal activist, and uh, I work with PETA and Mercy for Animals and Farm Sanctuary. So I believe most animals should have uh, that space. But I had um, literally my dog passed, and oh. uh, it was an Akita. Mm. And my daughter just moved out and took her cat, Twizzler, and her dog, PJ. So right now we just feed the stray cats that come around my house and uh, I guess the raccoons that they beat them to it. But you feed them meat. Well, it's so funny you say that. There's a thing called V-Dog. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we literally ground up as much compost. And so the cats are hungry. So they eat it. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> they <laughs> they eat it and they because they sit around and they can go through garbage cans in the neighborhood. So they eat what we ground up. Oh wow! Okay, so now tell me, you're doing this uh, thing on the Hallmark Channel. You got to explain what it is. It's called Meow Madness. It's the kitten basketball championship. Now I got to yeah. tell you, occasionally I'll sw- switch over to the Hallmark Channel during like the Super Bowl. They have the Puppy Bowl over there, and the I'll, kitten, I'll, bowl, I'll, the yeah. kitten Bowl. Uh-huh. I'll go back and forth. So I've seen this kind of programming before. What is it exactly? Well, it comes on. It premieres on the Hallmark Channel on the third okay. of April at eight p.m. Pacific, uh, seven uh, seven Central. And it's a crit because I sat down with one of the greatest voices in sports, um, Mary Carrillo. Oh, okay. And we literally read it as if it was, you know, I'm watching UCLA. And it was the most fun you ever want to see. The the, the rules, five points uh, shot, uh, the names we come up with. Uh, it's just a bunch of fun, and it and it literally makes you laugh and makes you go ah. <laughs> and because of this, it's it's cool because like over one thousand kittens and cats have been adopted. Now these cats, everybody's going to want one of these cats they see playing. Oh course, yeah, you know, but they're professionals, so they've already been adopted. <laughs> ah. so, so the kittens are actually running around. They don't just sit down on the court. They're actually no. Running. They got the ball. They got the hoop. It is. I'm telling you, oh. more 
more entertaining than watching Brady just dismantle the Atlanta Falcons. You, you it, heard it, it there. It is that entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> so it I, is that entertaining. Have you seen any of the taping of the animals, and how do they make those uh, those animals do what they do? Well, they do it all according to their own will. Okay. Right? None of these items are, are forced to do anything or Good. pushed to doing anything. Um, God, kittens are so funny. So, I mean, I'm sure they probably just throw a ball out there and they're having a great time. Mm-hmm. It's a, it is it is a wonderful thing. Well, very cool. I will check it out. Now, it's happening April 3rd, a couple of nights from now. And it's on the Hallmark Channel. We'll put all the information. Uh, it's 8 p.m. Eastern Pacific. And like I said, everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. John, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Hey, I love you guys. Go vegan if you love animals. Okay. All right. Take care. I talked to you. Bye. He was a pretty nice guy. Yeah, he was. He was Didn't awesome. he cool? You know, yeah. that makes me um, jealous because I wish I can. I, I tried to go vegan. I really didn't. I got through four months of it. Wow. That's until, great. Yeah, I did until I got a, a friend came up from Florida and started ordering shellfish. And, and um, I said, ah, why not just go off it? And then that was, that um, was it. 20, 20 years ago, I think, 15 <laughs> years ago. So Going vegan so. is not easy. And you know what? Even going vegetarian is not easy. A vegetarian is easier than vegan. Sure, sure. Yeah. I got to ask, Lori... You're you're like us, right? You're not vegan, are you? No, I I really do try mostly to eat a plant based diet, sure. but I I really am just a veggie freak. Yeah, I think that's the way I mean, we are too. I don't think we go out of our way to eat meat. Uh, Judy, you don't go out of your way to eat meat. No, but occasionally you need yeah, a burger or something, right? Yeah, okay, I have a craving for a burger or steak. Never or... beef though. Never, Never beef. Steak. Oh god, mm-hmm. no! See, I have some big cow Favorite, yeah. yeah. Me too. Okay, I've got to well, have my fillets. I salute John Sally, and boy, he, oh, you know he's amazing with it. Okay, it's time for us to get on out of here. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, if you need your fix during the middle of the week, head on over to AnimalRadio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. It's a great app to have along with you, especially if, like last week, there was two major brand recalls. And, of course, you were first to know on your Animal Radio app. So good reason to download it now. It's free. And uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Have fun, you guys. This is Animal Radio Network.